Um, so for those, yeah, it does look like that. Um, so for those of you who don't know us, I'm John Early, and this is Steve Ritchie, and we recently went on a trip to Ghana, West Africa. So Kim, could you show us a map of Africa? So uh, where was it? It's right here. So if you could zoom in a little bit more. All right, so, so here's Ghana. So it's on the southern shore of the western part of Africa, and all those little blue pins are all the places that we went uh, in the span of 10 days or so. Um, and so we, we've got photos of just about all those places, but uh, the reason we went there was to shoot a promotional video for a group here in Columbus called Mission Resource, and what they do is they take donations from here in the U.S., and they go over and they uh, provide loans to small businesses over in Ghana. Um, with the mindset of helping them to be more self-sustaining rather than just basically dependent on funds constantly. Uh, so they give those in the form of loans and uh, those small businesses then in turn help fund local missionaries. So we're actually helping to produce uh, missionaries over there. So next. Um, so we started off in Accra. Okay, so uh, we thought we would kind of walk you through a lot of the different locations that we went through and, and kind of our day-to-day -day travel because that way you'll get kind of an overview of, of the kind of organizations that Mission Resource has helped start up over in Ghana. Um, so on the first day, we flew into Accra. So we flew in here, and that's the capital of Ghana, and I believe it's the largest city and maybe the most modern city in Ghana. Um, so... We spent the afternoon in Accra, and oh, oh, well, I was going to walk through the whole thing. Okay, so, uh, so then we spent the afternoon in Accra, and then that evening we drove out to New Ningo, which is a beach area that uh, Mission Resource is hoping to build a new training center for businesses in Ghana, and then we stayed in Tima which is, we stayed with a pastor in Ghana who is kind of uh, a Ghanaian partner with Mission Resource and helps find a lot of the different individuals to help fund with businesses and kind of vets them a little bit. So, so this is Enoch Nador, and this was the pastor that we stayed with. Uh, he was kind enough to let us uh, spend most of our trip at his house and they fixed us both Ghanaian food and Western food. Um, after a long day of travel, we actually were able to uh, come back to his house, and they had uh, American-style mashed potatoes and green beans waiting for us. So that was a, a nice homecoming. But he's very involved in mission resource and very involved in missions in Africa. Um, many of the different individuals that have been helped to set up businesses um, – They've kind of known them through the through various churches and ministries. And then in turn, once these individuals get their businesses up and running, they often use it as a platform to fund further missionary work in Africa or to fund further church planting in Africa. Uh, this was Emmanuel. Um, he was uh, he's on the staff at Mission Resource. I believe he's the accountant. Um, and he was also the translator for um, when we were traveling through a lot of areas of, of Ghana. 
Um, English is the national language, but there's lots of small regional languages. And so when you get into a lot of the villages or a lot of the smaller cities, there are people who don't necessarily speak English, and they speak one of a number of other languages. So he would often tra he would travel with us most of the time, and he was often our driver in a lot of the uh, <coughs> the back country roads and the rough roads. So, um, yeah. And then this was Ernestina. Um, she also works with uh, Mission Resource. She kind of uh, helps keep the mission resource house that they have there that is usually where people stay when they're coming over to visit. Um, There's actually other families staying there, so we stayed with the uh, Neodoras. Um, but she also helped translate, and then she's actually one of the mission resource success stories. Uh, mission resource has helped her set up her own, um, her own, uh, she makes dresses and, like, purses and, and, just various fabric uh, goods, and it's helped her send her brother to school. Yeah, so um, the first uh, city we're in is Accra. So this is the Ghana's national flag, and so they, um, the black star is kind of like their symbol. So if you, uh, next one, so you can see the black star right there in the middle. And um, actually, what was this? This was like their city center or. I can't remember exactly, but it was a nice big area where a lot of performances and events and things take place. Uh, next. Um, but Accra is a really rapidly developing city. I think there is about 4 million people there, and it's uh, constantly growing and changing. And there's also a nearby city, Tama, which they're kind of merging together. Uh, but you see a lot of new construction, a lot of new high-rises, new apartments, new uh, department stores, lots of traffic. Um, and uh, here you, you'd see this a lot. These are basically street vendors. So whenever you get to a stoplight or to a checkpoint or uh, yeah, or traffic at all, you'll just have people just walking up and down the rows selling you know whatever. So lots of little plastic goods or snacks or fruit or drinking water or um, cell phone uh, card you know recharges. Um, next, please. So. Yeah, a lot of new development going on, and um, and actually a lot of investment from China. So you see a lot of Chinese construction companies and a lot of Indian investment, a lot of Brazilian and European investment. So it's a very uh, international city. Um, next, please. So there's uh, Black Star again, and um, so yeah. Also, you see a lot of American brands. So Hertz Car Rental, KFC, Coca-Cola. Um, Lots of traffic, as you can see. Um, and so then began our next part of our journey. Okay, so, uh, and I know it's it's kind of hard to see the scale of how far we're traveling on here, but um, just know that it took a long time to get there. <laughs> so although the, a lot of the distances that we traveled were very short, um, the, when while you're in the city, the traffic was typically very, very thick. So it would take you a long time to drive through the city. And then once you got out of the city, the roads were really bad. So it would take you a long time to drive outside the city as well. So even if you're not traveling very far, no matter where you're going, it's going to take a long time to get there. So, and most of our, most of our trip was the travel. We would, we would typically drive uh, two or three hours to, in one way to get someplace and then film for about half hour to an hour, and then drive.
drive two or three hours to the next place and film for a half hour to an hour, um, and kind of so on till sundown. But so on Saturday morning we left uh, Tima, and we drove out to Ada, which is on the Volta River Delta, and the Volta is kind of the main river through Ghana. And so we had lunch kind of at a nice place along the river. Then we hired a boat and uh, traveled up the river to a little village called Agorta in the region of Sogakope. And we kind of talked with the, the village elder there, and that's an area where um, Mission Resource is hoping to start a permaculture farm, and John will tell a little bit more about that. And then that evening after we kind of walked around the village and talked to them, we went out a little further to uh, a village called Akpale, which is where we spent the night. Um, so that's uh, Willie Klogo. He was, um, what would you call him? The village elder. Yeah, the village elder. Um, and so he was 70, what was it? 77, yeah. So he'd played soccer most of his life. So he's very energetic, very youthful, very... Um, very lively person to be around, very happy and joyful. And uh, so we interviewed him, and he talked a lot about their situation uh, there. And then uh, this was Florence. She's another uh, elder there in, in the village that we spoke with. And um, she had some really, um, really deep, passionate, amazing things, uh, just talking about the spirituality of the village and then just about the developments and what the, uh, they're happening all around and what the needs of the village were. And while we were driving around there, we saw uh, some biodiesel fields um, developing and, and also uh, some rice fields as well. So um, this was some land that Mission Resource was looking at, I believe. Um, and there, there was a lot of land available there. But by the time we had gone back, it had already been bought up um, by a Brazilian company, I believe. Um, and so... Uh, it was just kind of interesting just seeing what the impact was. Um, Steve, did you want to talk a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, so it was uh, a little bit with Sad Hearts that we saw that this land had been bought. Um, one of Mission Resources' plans for this village is that they're wanting to partner with the village to start what's called a permaculture farm. Um, and we saw an example of this later in our trip, but... It's kind of a philosophy in farming where you, you're you growing crops, but you're doing it in a way that kind of feeds back into the soil. And you're, you're kind of, instead of doing agriculture like we do here, where it's a big field where you have one crop and, you know, it's very labor-intensive but very efficient on a large scale, this would be kind of ideal for a small scale, and you have... Um, a lot of different crops that all support each other and all support the soil, and it's kind of self-sustaining. I guess that's the key thing is that it, it's all self-sustaining self year after year. And the idea is that by building this permaculture farm, you're going to allow a lot of the people in the village to stay in the village and have uh, jobs to work there. Um, with Ghana growing and developing one of the big uh, – trends right now is urbanization and a lot of people are having to leave their villages and go to the large cities in order to find places to work but unfortunately unfortunately in the large cities the 
cost of living is much higher and the quality of living is much lower. So um, in small villages like Agorta, that's just, um, it's difficult to get to by road and you, it's easiest to get to by just floating down the river. Um, they're having an issue where a lot of the people in their village don't want to go, but they need to go to the city in order to find work. And so if Mission Resource can help um, help them create farm areas and like a permaculture farm, then that's something that can sustain them and, and allow them to stay in their um, communities that they grew up in. So um, on, the, on Sunday, we uh, left uh, Akplale and um, we interviewed one of the people who lived in that uh, city. He started a company where he rents out chairs and canopies. And we'll, we traveled back down to uh, Kase and stopped at a church service. And it's at a church that um, is, is currently being built thanks to a loan by Mission Resource. So when we were there, they had four walls up, and they were planning on, on building the roof soon. Um, and then we traveled back to Tima. Um, so yeah, so Akpali was a pretty small, typical village. Um, we did stay at a house that had electricity and uh, fans, and that was very, that was very nice, just because it was about 96 degrees the whole time. Um, whereas over here in the states, everyone was experiencing the cold front, so uh, quite a contrast. Um, so this is Ernest Niador. So he was he was the one that was um, uh, renting out the chairs. And so on the next slide, we've got um, these are the chairs. And on the chair, you'll see a very common symbol that they use a lot. Um, I'm not sure how they pronounce it, but the meaning is accept God as in E-X-C-E-P-T, God, like only God. And so that's something they use quite a bit. Um, next, please. And then that day we got to go to a um, African-style church service, which is much louder than ours. Uh, as you can see, they've got you know bass drums, snare drums, cowbells, tambourines, all sorts of things, and then loudspeakers, and they're just like blasting it like a rock concert or like a like a techno club or something. Um, so, and then people would be dancing around, and um, as they gave offerings, they would kind of dance towards the offering plate and then put it in and then do that and then. Do like basically, uh, yeah, dance with each other. Do like dosi dos and all that sort of thing. So, um, and then when they preach, they basically are screaming the entire time. So, and in three languages, in three languages that's right. So, um, so they had, yeah. So they had two two different translators there. Um, so, uh, and you could tell which language was a little more popular because when they tell a joke, you know, in English, some people will laugh, and then the other language. More people laugh, and then the third language, not so many people would laugh. And I, I don't even know what those languages are because quite, there's quite literally like hundreds of languages in Ghana, um, and because it's still very tribal-based. And the lady we showed a slide of earlier, Ernestina, she actually spoke uh, six languages. One of those being English. The other five were all local languages, which was pretty amazing. I thought so. Um, and then this was Wisdom. He was the uh, pastor of that church, and so. Mission Resource was helping to fund uh, their church. Um, next. 
So then our next day of travel. Okay, so Monday, we had uh, quite a long travel. We actually, um, we had to trade in our typical minivan for the day to get a truck to be able to get through some of the roads. But we traveled from uh, Tima down here at the bottom up to a little village on Lake Volta called Paponia. And um, that was probably uh, about a three-hour drive each way. And most of that was on um, roads that, I guess it would be generous to call them roads, but with the truck, uh, the advantage of being able to drive over that, um, it didn't have quite as nice shocks and no seat belts in the back seat. So we kind of all hit our heads on the ceiling quite a bit. But it was a, a fun trip up there. But we went up to uh, Lake Volta to see another project that Mission Resource has helped fund. Um, where there's a tilapia farm that's been started where um, we'll show pictures, but uh, people are out. Um, yeah, they have kind of a, a grid built out floating in the lake where they grow tilapia and then they go through and, and catch all the tilapia out of that section and, and sell them in the market. And then Later that afternoon, we came back down to a neighborhood of Tima called Ashaimen, and there we talked to a few different, um, a few different uh, people who have had their businesses started with Mission Resource, and I'll uh, pass it off to John to talk about the tilapia farm. Yeah, so there's uh, there's Dave Ketchum, which actually is here in the audience today, but. Um, And then the next slide, please. So uh, this was Wisdom Nyador. So he's the guy standing next to Dave in the last photo. Um, he's in his mid-late 20s, 20, 25. Yeah, and so he had started this uh, tilapia farm, and he talked about how they started with just one basic net or cage. Um, and over, yeah, two years, I think, they had expanded that to nine or so. And they talked about, you know, how all the different struggles that they went through, like, you know, robbers coming out and taking fish or um, storms coming in and killing the fish. And so all the precautions and extra security they had to have. And so it sounded like a real challenge, but uh, he was definitely very sharp, very uh, strategic, very business-minded, um, seemed very responsible. So it was really exciting to see him uh, having his success with that tilapia farm. Uh, another note about Wisdom is that he is using the tilapia farm to help pay his way through gain a master's in divinity. Um, he's studying French. All of the countries that are immediately surrounding Ghana are all French-speaking countries. So he is kind of gaining his master's in divinity and studying French so he can go out as a missionary to the surrounding uh, countries to Ghana. Um, so this this isn't pig's blood. Uh, this is a uh, red dye. So this is another place we um, visited where they actually made uh, fabric where they would use like a wax stamp. They would get hot wax and stamp symbols on this cloth and then soak it in this dye. And so here she is um, uh, kind of basically dyeing the clothes there. And I don't think I have any other photos. But, uh, yeah. So later that night, we went to another um, 
restaurant that, or a restaurant that was being funded by Mission Resource called Trust and Obey. And a lot of the stores and restaurants we noticed had very biblical-sounding names and themes. Um, there's another one, you know, Just by Grace, and there's one called Living Bread, and then there's Trust and Obey. Um, so very, very Christian society, like even more than the U.S., and you'll see people, there's these um, little vans, taxi vans that would drive around, and they'd have little Christian messages and slogans on the back. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we ended up running a bit late, so it was getting dark there. But um, uh, did you have any more details on this restaurant? But yeah, so uh, this is Joyce. She was uh, running the restaurant, and she said she worked there basically 10 hours a day, seven days a week pretty much, so um, something like that. So put a lot of time and hard work and effort into that place. Okay, so um, on Tuesday we, we drove up to Insawam and visited a shop there called um, Just By Grace where it's kind of a, they partnered with Nestle and I think a few other big uh, like food or food product manufacturers, and so they have kind of a little shop where they're selling items out of there. And then on Tuesday afternoon, we came back to a Shyman, and we visited the Precious Kids Private School, and uh, which is a school that's, um, I believe it's been started maybe thanks to a, a loan by Mission Resource, but the... Uh, the person who was running that school was also heavily involved in Mission Resource. And that afternoon, they also had a loan payoff ceremony for a number of people who attended that, uh, that individual's church. And um, those loans were funded by Mission Resource. So there were about a half dozen people there who had gotten small loans um, that were funded by Mission Resource and kind of chosen by this, uh, this church in Ashaiman, and they had each been able to start up a business and that then were now paying off their loans. And so even though these loans were, I think most of them were pretty small, a few hundred dollars, um, because of like the currency exchange, they were able to go quite a bit further there. So for these people who were receiving the money, uh, it went a long way. And so a little bit of money in the U.S. is able to go, kind of go a long way and, and cover a lot of expenses in Ghana. So this was the Just by Grace Nestle wholesale store, um, and they and actually I had gone there six years ago, and they had expanded their operation quite a bit since then. And um, so this is uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, so Jones right here in the yellow shirt, he's pointing up at the new security system they had installed, um, just because uh, they're yeah, experiencing some theft there. So. Uh, so they're, they're growing and expanding, and actually to the right, there's a whole other room uh, just full of other uh, products and snacks. And um, so this is Jones, and so we interviewed him. And you'll see, uh, actually, yeah, he has uh, a couple scars on his face, and those are actually uh, quite common. You'll see in a lot of the tribes and villages, they do that as sort of a way of marking what tribe you're a part of. Um, so, and they do that when you're very young. And so it's almost like, yeah, tattooing or just kind of a way of identifying your tribe. Um, so Living Bread was the school we went to. 
And it was really amazing just to see um, they had these, actually on the next slide, they have um, no lights in there, just basically light coming in from the window and no computers, no iPads, no internet, just old books that I'm assuming had mostly been donated, um, old wooden desks, and the kids there were so well-behaved, so smart, so courteous, and this class in particular, they're actually learning French, which would be like their third language, English being their second, and their tribal language being their first. Um, so it's just kind of funny how we talk about our schools being underfunded when we have, you know, light year, we're light years ahead of them. And so I think it really has a lot more to do with the teachers and the environment. And um, to them, really, going to school was a real privilege, whereas here, you know, we're pretty much all expected to go to school. So it's, you know, we, we pretty much take it for granted. So uh, it, was, it was really amazing to see that happen there. And then we took a nice flight up to the northern part of Ghana. Yeah, so uh, Wednesday morning we got to fly up to northern Ghana, which I understood that the last time John was there, they took a bus, which took... Okay, what was it, like 16 hours to take the bus up there? Okay, so we got to take the hour flight, so I was thankful. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we flew up to... Uh, Tamale, which is up in the, the north part of Ghana, and then that afternoon we, or I guess that around noon that day, we drove down to Bupe, which is this town here, and we got to visit with Terry and Amy Ruff, who are two American missionaries who are in Ghana. I believe they're from Bloomington, but they have, uh, they are running a permaculture farm, which is kind of meant to be a model for future agricultural products or projects in Ghana. So they've taken an area that um, was kind of all covered with gravel and place where they would take broken down farm equipment and just leave it there. So uh, it was an area that was, the soil wasn't good. It was just like a terrible farming area. And over the last two years, just by trying to use these permaculture ideals of uh, using different plants that, that support each other and feed back into the soil, they've been able to, to start having like a huge garden and, and lots of different plants. And so we went down and talked with them, and then we went to a shea nut factory, which I guess if you want to talk more about, and then spent the night in Tomali that evening. So yes, yeah, so there's a close-up of where we were. Um, so, yeah, the Shea Nut Factory, um, it was this really massive operation where they took in, I'm going to say, millions of Shea Nuts, which if you don't know what they are, yeah, they're these, uh, they kind of look like uh, avocado seeds, and they take those and they make, you'll probably see in cosmetics, you'll see a lot of Shea Butter lotions and things like that. So that comes from uh, these, and he actually has a bottle here. Um, this is what it originally looks like when they extract the, um, the oils. And then after they refine it, this is what it ends up looking and like when it goes to store shelves. Um, so Dave had gone in there to basically talk about um, possible business partnerships with this factory where they could take some of the waste products and try to use that for fertilizer um, and try to basically help the 
uh, try to be more uh, eco-friendly with the whole operation and help a lot of the surrounding villages as well. And so this is inside the facility um, where they're just processing it. And there was a lot more. And we actually couldn't take too many photos just because, you know, it was very, uh, they're kind of secretive about their operation. So um, next one. So this is the, some photos from the permaculture farm. So what you'll see here are um, shade nut shells that have just been scattered about um, to help uh, fertilize the soil. And so, yeah, they don't use any petroleum-based fertilizers or any pesticides. Uh, it's entirely natural, entirely self-sustained. So um, as pesticides, they'll, or, uh, they'll use things like um, aloe and uh, other things like grass, uh, lemongrass, um, which different plants will actually fend off different bugs because of their smell. Um, so that was pretty amazing. Um, and I would have gotten more photos, but I was kind of having a heat stroke. So <laughs> that's all I got for this. Yeah. Um, and then we went back. This is, yeah, this was Tuesday. So this is actually our longest day in the car. Um, so Tuesday we drove down to Salaga, which um, we visited uh, Francis and Mary Adai, um, who is a pastor and his wife there in Salaga. And they... Um, kind of create um, like a, what would you call it? like a boutique soap, like a, a gourmet soap. And then um, we traveled further down to uh, Golby Quarters, which um, is a very remote village down at the bottom there, and visited with Francis and Georgina Conadu, and they have created they have started a pharmacy in that area. And now they, they're kind of acting as missionaries into that area. Um, that was a part of, like that village was an area that uh, other churches and other villages had called. Um, they nicknamed it Sodom and Gomorrah before because it had kind of resisted any attempts to start a church there. Um, I think there were like maybe a thousand people there. And now like 200 of them are members of the church here. And um, if we have any time afterward, I can tell you some of the Emmanuel was was on the drive down there. He was telling us lots of stories of um, near brushes with death and miraculous ways that God has kind of protected the couple who live down in uh, Golby quarters. But this was our longest drive of the day. It was about a five hour drive each way. So it's a long time in the car. So this is the, the soap. So this is kind of the filtering process. Um, and that's actually the only photo I have for the slide, but it's actually a really neat process. Um, so, And then this is the pharmacy uh, that they had started up. And then this is Francis. He was the one that helped start the, uh, the pharmacy and had gone through uh, some of those heartaches and hardships. And he was actually really responsible for helping spread Christianity in that village as well. So he was a really, really smart, sharp, wise, influential guy. Um, and then we flew back. And then, yeah, so on, uh, on the last Friday, oh, on the last Friday, we flew back from Tamale to Accra early in the morning. And then we, we spent the day in Accra and got a few more interviews with our staff members, and we flew out that evening. And just to kind of give you an idea of the traffic in Accra, so we, fl we 
landed at about 9 or 10 in the morning, and our flight left Accra at like 10 at night. And so in between that time, we weren't able to drive out to Tima, which is like right here. We weren't sure that we'd be able to drive out there and get back in time because the traffic was so bad. Because we had some luggage that we had left at the pastor's home that we stayed in, in Tima. And we ended up having to ask him to get a taxi driver to drive our luggage to us and meet us at the airport. Because the, the traffic was so bad that even though it, it was around five or six hours before our flight, we didn't think we could get to Tima and back. Um, how far would you say, Dave? I think it's about 35 minutes. Yeah, so pretty close. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're getting close on time, so I'll kind of move through these last ones. But one, one kind of takeaway was that we wanted to give you guys was just more about Africa's future. Um, so... There, just to kind of give you um, an idea of the current state, you know, there's a really there's a rapidly growing middle class. There's a lot of urbanization happening, a lot of urban sprawl, as we talked about, a lot of consumerism growing in the cities. Um, next slide. And there's also many environmental concerns that come with that. So this was the first day we walked along the beach, and this is all uh, just kind of come from the city, so they don't have a whole lot of regulations in terms of, you know, environmental protection and things like that. Um, and so th there's a lot of investment and a lot of influences in Ghana right now. So right now it's, in, it's, it's developing, which means they're in a state of rapid change. And so Mission Resource, it represents one small piece of that change. So you have some corporations which they don't care about the environment, they don't care about the people, they don't all they care about is their profits and their shareholders and things like that. So um, really by investing and helping Mission Resource, you're helping an organization that really cares about the people, that wants to help sustain their way of life, um, that cares about you know the moral aspects of the company and about missionaries and so um, and they really care about the ongoing relationships. They're not there just to help start a business and leave. Um, so I think Mission Resource has a really great balance of helping build them by giving money to help them help themselves rather than just basically donating um, and creating a, de a dependency. Um, so if you want to find out more about Mission Resource and to see what kind of projects are going on, um, you can go to missionresource.org. And also, yeah, so the, the video that's on there currently was from six years ago from my last trip, and we're in the process of editing the newest video. So we'll let you guys know when that video is ready. Um, but a lot of these slides you see here were taking, taken from the video. So that's all we got. Um, does anyone have any questions? Yes.
Eric. All right, well, thank you guys.